is wonderful to be with you once again. And I'm excited to again be preaching and teaching in the book of John. We are continuing in our book of John. And it, it has been a great joy, I think for all of us, right, to really be hearing from Jesus himself, to be hearing the words of our Savior every single week, and we're diving into what that means, right? And we're here again. We're in John, we're in the second half of John 4 today, and we find ourselves in the same scene that we were in last week. We find ourselves at the scene where Jesus is meeting with the Samaritan woman, and we're seeing the conclusion of that, right? And this week, we pick back up, the disciples rejoin Jesus, right? And they rejoin Jesus, and our text says to us in verse 27 that they were marveled. They marveled. They were shocked that he was talking to a woman, right? And before we move on, I'm actually going to pray for us real quick, and then we're, we're going to dive into it. I can't wait. Let's pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you, God, for the gift of your word, for the gift of your people. And God, this morning, I pray that you can hide me behind the cross. Speak through me, speak for me, God. I pray this morning that you can give us a word that will inspire, convict, and encourage us as we continue to learn what it means to be a follower of yours. In Jesus' name we do pray, amen. So the disciples rejoin Jesus, and they're marveling that he was talking to a woman. And the question becomes, why are they so surprised? Why are they so shocked, right? Well, at that time, right, check this out, rabbis actually taught, it was a custom of the time, that rabbis would not teach women theological teaching, right? Which basically meant they would not instruct them on how to teach the law. Why? Well, they didn't think that women could really ingest the law to teach it. And it also was a custom of the time that it was a waste of time to teach women and girls on how to instruct the law because it would be a profaning of sacred things. My God, right? Jesus being Jesus ignores all of that, right? He ignores it all. And quite literally what Jesus does is he seeks out talking to this woman and he goes on, right, to engage in theological discourse that would inform generations upon generations of Christian thought, right? He, she is a part of a theological discourse that would, be the, that, would be, that would be the intellectual foundation of what it means to believe in who Jesus is, right? It is also extraordinary, church, in this way. It is a great reminder to us as Christians, to us as individuals, to those of us who have been told by society, who have been told by people in our lives that we are not worthy, that we are not good enough because of our gender, because of our race, because of our class. Jesus seeks us out just like he did with this woman. Right. And he sees past the customs. He sees past the traditions. And he says, do you know who she is? She's the Imago Dei. She was created in the image of my father. So therefore, she is worthy. 
to hear what I have to say. She's worthy, sinful as she might be, broken as she might be, broken as we all might be. She's still worthy to talk with me, to learn from me, and to learn in such a way that when she's through talking to me, guess what? She's going to go and spread the gospel. She's going to go and instruct, right? That's the Savior that we serve. A Savior that says, I'm going to affirm you. I'm going to see you when it feels like no one else does, right? That's who the Savior is. So if we're ever feeling that way, know this church, Jesus sees you. Jesus loves you. Jesus affirms you, and he calls you to walk with him. He calls you to follow in his footsteps, right? So they're amazed. They're marveling. Wow. Jesus is talking to a woman. And, 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 and I love this, right, because this image that we have here is, 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 is extraordinary because it says that, they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? They didn't have the courage to ask Jesus what he was doing. So the woman left her water jar there and went away into the town and said to the people, before, before we get to that, she left her water jar there. Isn't that interesting? Remember, she went to the well to do what? To fill her jar with water. But she left it there because she had gotten the feel that she needed. She left that place with a full vessel, but the full vessel wasn't the jar. The full vessel was her, right? She left that place thirsty. She, she went to that place thirsty and left apparently not having drank any water, but somehow, some way, she left that place with her thirst quenched with her vessel full, right? It, 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 it's amazing because she was able to embody what Jesus has been trying to teach us for these last few weeks, that it's not just about the physical, but it's also about the spiritual. You have to be spiritually full. You have to be spiritually, your thirst has to be spiritually quenched in order to live your life. Apparently, she had forgotten that she was physically thirsty because the spirit that was within her quenched her in such a way that she ran off and said that I must go tell somebody about what just happened to me, right? We're going to talk about this in a minute, but it, 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 it amazes me, right, that she left her jar there, came to fill it up, and I got, I'm good, I'm full, I'm filled up with the living water. My God, love that. And then she went to the town and said, come see a man. My God, <laughs> for the most powerful words in scripture, come see a man. Come see a man. Come see a man. Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? You know, as I was thinking about this this week, church, Right, because this is definitely a story of evangelism, and I'm thinking about this because we've learned in the last few weeks she was an outcast, she was not 
welcomed or she was not affirmed by that town or by society because of her past mistakes. Yet, after this encounter, she enthusiastically and boldly goes and shares the good news, shares her encounter with Jesus with those who she knew did not like her, with those who she knew thought of her as an outcast. Yet she boldly goes and says, let me tell y'all what just happened to me. And, 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 and I thought about this this week. I said, what can we do, my God, to assume this same posture, to be as bold as she was in sharing the good news and sharing our encounters with Jesus? This, 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 this is what we learned. We learn from her in this way. One, right, she can boldly proclaim what just happened to her. She can boldly proclaim the good news because she was fresh off of revelation. She was fresh off an encounter, right? And I think sometimes with us, right, we take, we, 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 we take for granted particularly the way in which we also can have an encounter with Jesus every single day. Because, see, encountering Jesus is not constrained to a conversion experience, right? Encountering Jesus is not constrained to us being converted from non-believer to believer. But encountering Jesus simply means I'm spending quality time with my Savior, receiving fresh insight, fresh, fresh revelation, fresh wisdom on how to live life. Right? And, and, and God convicted me this week, church, because as I thought about it, I was like, Lord, I work at having a, a, a good devotional life. I try to pray and read my word as much as I can. But if I'm honest with myself, when I sit down and read my word, I can oftentimes make it an individual experience. What do I mean? See, I can go into scripture reading, I can go into prayer and say, Lord, I want to receive your word for my life. I want to receive your word so that I can be who you want me to be. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But see, God says to me this week, he says, Jalen, when I give you insight, when I give you revelation, young man, it's not just for you. Right? See, I reveal myself to you so that I can reveal through you. See, I bless your life so that I can then go and bless through you, right? See, it's not just about you. And, and I think sometimes, especially in this country, especially in this Western world, we can make our devotional experiences individualistic, where it's just about us. God, how can you help me? How can you mature me? And there ain't nothing wrong with asking God for that. But don't forget, we have a calling on our lives to share our experiences and encounters with Jesus. I said, Lord, but how, 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 how does this work? He said, look at the woman. <laughs> look at her. What did she do? Literally, the encounter she had with Christ, 
She just said, I'm going to share that encounter, that encounter through the lens of my experience with someone else. So I said, okay, interesting. So last week I read Psalm 27 where it says that the Lord is a stronghold of my life. And reading those words encouraged me because life can be overwhelming. Life can be could just get to a point to where, Lord, I'm trying everything, but things don't seem to be adding up the way I want them to add up. And I read that verse, you are the stronghold of my life. Who shall I fear? And God says to me, hey, I got this. You need to cede control to me and let me be God. See, what you fail to understand is that I'm very good at being God. Excel at it, right? I'm very good at it. But see, my, my 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 son, you're not. You can't do it. You ain't built for it, fam. So 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 the sooner you realize that it is my job to direct, to counsel, to guide you, and you can't do it on your own, then peace will come in. Then joy will come in. Then rest will come in. Because I am the stronghold of your life. That was fresh revelation. I needed to hear it. And God said, what would it look like if you shared that experience with someone else? Right? If somebody asked you at your job, someone who you talk to regularly, right? Someone who, who, who you ask every single day, hey, how you doing? What's going on with you? And what if you say, you know, man, these last couple of weeks have been hard. This has been a tough season. But this morning I read my Bible because I'm a, I'm a Christian. You know this. We've been talking for a little while. And I felt relieved because I remembered that I'm not in control over my life, but God is in control. And that allowed me to have peace. It allowed me to rest and to have a calmness because I realized there's something bigger than me calling the shots. Right? And we say to ourselves, if I say that to one of my coworkers, my God, what would be the response? And, 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 and you, you ain't got to put it like that, but, see, but here, here, here's the point. What God revealed to me this week was, Jalen, when you are in your devotional time, when you are in those times where you're, where you're seeking me, I want you to add a prayer. Add this prayer to your prayer, Jalen. Don't just ask me, right, to reveal myself to you. Ask me also, Lord, give me the words to say to describe this encounter to someone else. Right? Lord, I need, your, I need wisdom not only for my life, but I also need wisdom to describe these encounters that I'm having with you to those who are in my life, specifically those who are not believers. And see, here's the thing. I love this because... It lowers the stakes in, in, in a couple of ways. God's not saying automatically, hey, tomorrow I want you to go on a street corner and just with a bullhorn and shout it on out. Jesus is Lord. And then here's the thing. If you do that, I'm with you, baby. I'm like, Jesus is Lord. Do it. You know what I'm saying? But God is saying, I need you to start. I need you to, 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 to have an intentionality and just pray those words. And see, this, this is what's going to happen. As we pray those words and we get confident, right, that God is going to use us to share our encounters with him with someone else, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be talking to somebody at work, 
talk to someone, you're talking to a neighbor in your community, right? But talk, you're going to be talking to those who are in your spheres of influence, those who are in your world. You're going to talk to them. And as you're talking to them, there's going to be a moment where the Spirit's going to nudge you and be like, hey, this is a good opportunity to share what we talked about this morning. This is a good opportunity to share what you heard on Sunday. This is going to be a good opportunity to share the experience and the encounter you just had with me during worship on Sunday. This is a good opportunity to share what you've been hearing me say to you in our private time together. You're going to get that nudge, right? And see, here's the thing. I think what that prayer is going to do for us, church, is going to shift our mentality. It's going to shift our framework from individualistic to evangelistic, right? Now our devotional time is not simply for me, my family, my friends, but it's for all people. All people who I encounter on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, whoever I encounter, right, this word that I'm receiving from God could potentially be for them. But see, I have to have that mindset. I have to have a shift in my framework of, 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 of how I approach my devotional time. And, and, and it raises the question, this is a good question, what do I say? What do I say? Let's go, look, 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 look what the woman said. She says, come see a man who told me all that I ever did, can this be the Christ? That's all she said. Now, let's be, can, can we be honest? This ain't the strongest evangelistic message we've ever heard, right? I mean, this ain't the strongest sermon. I mean, I ain't trying to comfort sis, but let's be, let's, let's be real. This ain't the most eloquent, articulate. This ain't Beth Moore talking, right? She's literally in the rawness of her experience telling them what happened to her, right? And see, John inserts this quote from the, from the Samaritan woman, right, to, 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 to really convey that it does not take eloquence. It does not take a, a, a seminary education. It does not take uh, uh, years upon years of experience, uh, of experience teaching the word of God. What it takes is an encounter. It takes an encounter and an honest experiential retelling of what happened to you when you encountered the living Jesus, right? And, and I love this because even within this, 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 you know, not so strong evangelist, evangel, evan, evangel, evangelistic message, right? You know what? I was imagining this week, because we're doing Social 201 right now. I was imagining if the Samaritan woman came to our course, two, Social 202, and they said to Rachel and Tyler, hey, this is what I would say to someone to share the gospel. And I imagine Tyler saying, you know, good start. But, uh, you know, we, let's add a little bit more. And then the big reveal, hey, I, I see what you're saying, but quiet as it's kept, these words converted an entire town. The entire town. And I can see Tyler saying, well, you know, I love that, but I want to I see you try to convert people on the Rutgers football team with this. And let's see how that works out, right? I don't know if it will land as well. But, 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 but 
I love this because what we see from the woman is that she's not sharing the message with these high stakes of it's on me to convert these people. She's not raising the stakes for herself in that way, right? She's literally saying, I've been changed. I've been transformed. I have been set free. And the least, and, and, and I'm so excited about what has happened to me that I want to tell someone else because I want them to have the same experience, right? And see, I can imagine some of us, if we say these words to somebody, right, we come back home and say, oh, I don't, know if I, I don't know if I did a good job. I don't know if I did a good job. I don't know if I represented Christ the best way I could. And do you know what Jesus would say to us, right? He would say, look, you did what I have asked you to do. Because see, here's what, here's what sometimes we don't realize what we're doing. What we're doing when we share our encounters with Jesus with someone else, we are allowing God to enter into their story, right? We are allowing God to come into their story, and now they've heard about God. And see, because God is a God that pursues, all he needs is that open door. Oh, you, 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 you know my name now. You've heard about me now. My, my son and my daughter has told you a little, bit, a little bit about me now. I can work with that. Now I got your curiosity. Now I have, now, now you're going to be thinking about that strange, weird encounter you had earlier with one of my kids. You thought it was weird. You thought it was strange, but you're thinking about it. And if you're thinking about me in that way, ooh, baby, <laughs> I got you. I got you. And see, here's the thing. God gives us free will, right? And I guarantee you, when we share God with someone else and God enters into their story, God's working on them, right? He's doing, we're playing the seed and he's doing the work. But see, we cannot put it on ourselves and say, well, they didn't believe. They haven't become Christians. That ain't on you, fam. That's not your job. You ain't God. Stop trying to be God. You're his son. You're his daughter. He's given you commands. So do what you have been asked to do. Share the message. Share your encounters and stop putting yourself on that pedestal. Let God be God. Share that encounter, right? And I love this because you can so tell that she did not raise the stake. Like, at the end, y'all, look at what she says. She said, I mean, could he be the Christ? <laughs> Can you imagine? You tell somebody about Jesus, I mean, he could be the Messiah, right? Right? But see, I love that because she's still working through it herself. She's being honest and vulnerable and raw. She's like, y'all. I think this is the Christ, but I'm still figuring it out. I'm still working through it. Do you know how human that is? Because I guarantee you the person who you're sharing it with are going to be thinking, say, say, I mean, what you're saying is great, but I don't quite get or understand everything that's going on. That's okay. That's okay. Because guess what? <laughs> Come see a man. <laughs> Come see him and let him tell you. Uh, let, him t let him relieve your confusion. 
It ain't got to be me. It can be him. So, 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 as you, you know what? How about this? I'm confused. You're confused. So let's go see him together. <laughs> let's go see him together, right? Come see a man that will relieve all of the tension, all of the stress, all of the confusion that you have in your life. He'll do it. Let him do it. It ain't on me. It's on him. And guess what? Jesus said, hey, I got it. I got it. I got it, baby. Let me take it from here. Lower the stakes for yourself, church. It ain't on you. And guess what? You think Jesus is scared? You think Jesus ain't ready for somebody to come to him with questions? Jesus is like, this is what I live for. This is why I came, fam. I got it from here. And it's interesting, right? Because for us today, modern day church, we cannot say, come see a physical Jesus, like the woman said. But we can say, come see a physical church. Come see the bride of Jesus, right? And allow that bride of Jesus, who is the church, allow the spirit that is within the church to lead, usher, and counsel you on how to encounter Jesus. Jesus said that I'm going to go away. I'm going to leave a helper with you. So we have something in our possession that can guide and lead people to have their own personal encounter with Jesus. So when we're in these situations and we're both confused, you know what you say? Come to the church. Come to church with me. Come see the church. Hey, you know, you can't even put it on me. Come see Jalen. He ain't going to nothing either. But guess what? Jalen going to pray for you. He going to pray for you. And he's going to do the best he can to answer your question. Hey, come see Scott. Like, actually, leave with that. Come see Scott. Leave, leave, leave with that. Leave with that. Leave with that. Come see Scott. Come see Pastor Obed. Come see Pastor Mano. Make sure Jalen's last name. JK, 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 right? But that's what it is, right? Come see the church. Come to church with me, right? And <laughs> it raises the stakes for us as a church in many ways, right? Because now we, have, we actually have to be the church. Right? We can't just be going through the motions in here. We can't just be up in here, you know, saying, I love Jesus. I love God and treat anybody any kind of old way. Right? We actually have to be who God has called us to be and take that seriously. Right? So now we got to really be about it. Because if we're going to call people to this church and say, come see a church that will love, welcome, and affirm you the same way Jesus does, we got to be about that business. And that brings us to our second point, actually. So the second part, the second half of this verse, it brings us to this. It says, we are on verse 31. So the disciples, right, were urging, so, so she goes back to the town, and Jesus goes off, and the disciples come rejoin them, and they say, hey, yo, rabbi. You probably should eat something, right? I love this. See, this, this is where men and the disciples are on the same page, right? We're like, Rabbi, eat. Jesus, eat. He said, hey, I have food to eat that you don't know about. <laughs> and they said, so the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And I, I, I feel, I'll be like, yo, he already ate. He full. And it's like, I would be like, yo, Peter, why you think he ate without us? You know what I'm saying? Like, 
why did he go to Chipotle without the crew? You know what I'm saying? It's like, dang, Jesus is like that. <laughs> and the disciples were mad. If you're really messy, yo, did he go on a date with a Samaritan woman? Did they go on a date and eat? Did they, go, did they go out for dinner? Messy, 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 man. And as they are, do, like, coming up with these scenarios, like, what is he talking about? Jesus is shaking his head, right? Like, bro, you would think the child ain't never been around me before. Y'all with me every single day. Yet still, you never have an idea what I'm talking about. They always so confused. And it'd be like, hey, so am I. I'm always confused too. Jesus, what are you talking about, right? Like, I, I relate so deeply to the disciples in this situation. Oh, he already ate. He already ate. Right? But Jesus says to them, 34, verse 24, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to accomplish his work. Right? So again, Jesus is constantly urging us, church, to shift our mentality from the physical to the spiritual. Right? He's constantly urging us to do that over and over and over again. And I love this because, right, these disciples are with Jesus every day. Do you know who got this more than them? The woman at the well. She left that well thirsty physically, but her spiritual thirst was so quenched that she forgot about it. She forgot about her physical thirst. And Jesus is saying that, guys, I might be hungry, but see, my food is coming from something much deeper than physical food. Just like for her, the water that I need is something much more deeper than, 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 than just physical water. It's living water, right? And Jesus says that the will of my Father is the food that I eat, right? The baby's shouting with us, y'all. She's shouting. Say, I need, I need that spiritual food, too. And, 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 and I love this because Jesus... It's, it, it's trying to get the disciples to understand that. See, for me, guys, right, for me, right, my greatest satisfaction comes from serving my father and loving my neighbor, right? Ultimately, the way I'm going to be satisfied in life is by serving my father and loving my neighbor, right? That's food to me. Right? And, and, and he said that I have to accomplish the will of my father. See, here's the thing. When we center our lives on loving our father, loving our neighbor, Jesus will make plain to us what our vocation should be as we do those things. Right? So vocationally and, and, and purposely, right, for our life's purpose, it fundamentally begins Loving our father and serving our neighbor. And see, Jesus' mission in life embodied those two things. Loving my father and loving my neighbor. And what we find here is that Jesus is saying that the world is going to tell you that you can be satisfied physically. And that if you satisfy yourself physically, that will be it. That will satisfy 
all the cravings and all the desires of your heart, mind. And he said, no, that's not, that's not true. You need the spirit. You need the spirit. You need my spirit. But see, my spirit is the only thing that can empower you to do the thing that 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 will that will allow that will make you rebel against my father and that's sin that's sin right my spirit will empower you to change and transform in such a way to where the sinful desires you once had are no longer the sinful de desires that you crave unconsumably because you have my spirit but in order for us to live into that reality, we got to pursue the spirit. We got to feed the spirit every single day. That's the food we need. We need, the, we, we need that spiritual food, the word of God, the people of God, the songs of God, the prayers to God that feeds us. And it satisfies us, my God. It satisfies us. And that's what Jesus is after. He says, I know that you're looking for satisfaction. I know that you're ultimately looking for acceptance. You can only find it in me. You can only find it with me. The food that I eat, you don't know about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. Now, after he says this, right, he gives them a theological truth. And then he goes into saying, hey, now that I have revealed to you what I've meant, I'm going to now instruct you on what to do with what I have given you. Right? Look what he says. He says in 30, we're in 35. Do you not say there are yet four months and it comes to the harvest? So Jesus has been a country, a, a country man. Right? He understood the rhythms, the everyday rhythms of agricultural life, right? He also understood the proverbs and sayings associated with reaping and sowing, right? So he says, here's one of these proverbs. There are yet four months, then comes the harvest. So Jesus is saying, so usually when you sow a seed, you got to wait four months to reap what you sowed, right? That's how it usually works. But he says, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the field are white for harvest. So you're used to this idea that when you sow a seed, you reap it way later on, right? But see, when it comes to planting the seeds of the spirit, oh, no, we ain't got, we ain't got time to wait. Four months? No, 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 no. You don't wait four months. The harvest is right now. And see, what Jesus is saying here is there are more people ready to receive the gospel than we might think. Right? Because, see, I think sometimes we can trick ourselves into believing ain't nobody trying to hear the gospel. Ain't nobody trying to hear about Jesus. I mean, they're going to think I'm weird. They're going to think that I'm just a strange person who goes to church every week. Ain't nobody trying to hear that. Right? And see, in the background, Jesus knows what's going on in Samaria. He knows that the Samaritan woman is going into that city. And he knows what's going on. He said, those people are going to hear her testimony, and they're going to want to come to me. 
They're going to want to come to me. And Jesus is saying, guys, people are more ready to receive this word than you actually think. So, so, so that, that, that coworker, that neighbor that you think is just like, ah, oh, whatever. She's, she's one of them churchgoers. He one of them churchgoers. He one of them Bible study going people, right? That's a facade. Can I just say that? That's a facade. They faking, right? They fake because what they don't realize is that what you have is what they desperately seek, right? And see, here's the thing. When we share our encounters with Jesus, it sparks a curiosity within people that you may not see, but it's happening. It's happening, right? And see, this is where we have to really trust God because God is saying, I guarantee you, my children, that people are desperate for what I have for them. They're desperate for it. They may not show it. They may not, they, they may not admit it, but they desperately need it. And see, children, I need you to believe that. You got to believe that, right? Like, yeah, they're going to say you weird. Yeah, they're going to say you strange. Yeah, they may even gossip. Like, girl, Jalen out here talking about Bible study again. Who want to hear about that? Can't we just talk about basketball? I love talking about basketball. I got, but I got to tell you, Bible study last night was lit. D course. Do you know what I learned from D course last night? Right? And see, they're putting on that facade because it's cool to not be a Christian sometimes. It's cool to be in the in crowd. Because see, when you're in when you're when you're in a place where everyone else ain't a Christian and you're like the only one, they're gonna be like, the last thing I wanna do is being in the minority. The last thing I want to do is to be looked at as strange, right? So even if they really are like, man, I really wonder, what is it about Jalen? What is it about Morgan? What is it about Arthur? I really am I'm interested, right? But they're not, they're not going to admit that to your face sometimes. It's a facade. But see, you have to know that God is working on them. God is moving in their minds and in their hearts. And you have to, people of God, we have to keep going one foot in front of the other. Yes, it might be embarrassing sometimes. Yes, it might be strange. But, oh, it's worth it in the end. Because we want to see someone set free like we are. We want to see someone be satisfied have that living water like we have. So it's worth it. It's worth it, right? And see, remember, church, that we are a church. So when you find yourself in that minority, remember that you have a care group and remember that you have a church that you can confide in and say, y'all, it's, it's tough. I'm sharing and I'm being ostracized a little bit. And that's when we say, hey, guess what? You're doing well. Your words don't matter. Right? Like, like the eloquence of your words. Remember, remember the woman at the well? Come see a man that might be the Savior. I guarantee you. The least you're saying is that Jesus is the Savior. You're saying that with, with an assurity. That's the least you're saying. You already done a little bit better. You know what I'm saying? Right? You're doing well. You're doing fine. Keep going. We got you. We're here for you. Right? God will provide for you. This is his promise to you. Keep going. So don't let folks trick you with their facade. They lying to you, man. They lying to you. They need Jesus. They may not want to admit it to your face. 
But God is working with them. And see, that's, that's a big part of this church. A big part of this is allowing God to enter into someone else's life story, right? And when we do that work, that meaningful work, God takes over. Come see a man. Come see a man, right? So, and then Jesus goes on to say, he gives us another proverb, 36. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here, the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. So this is another proverb. This is interesting, right? So this is actually a proverb of unfairness. So when people said this proverb back in the day, one sows and another reaps, they were actually complaining, right? They were like, yo, I did the work and you get the benefit? Nah, fam, that's a, that ain't fair. Are you serious? How is that fair? And it's like, I love Jesus. Is so, I love Jesus, man. Jesus says, he flips it, y'all. He says, right, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into that labor. So guess what? He turns it into a proverb of gratitude. Be grateful, children of God, that others put in the work so that you can reap the harvest. And guess what? Now, you're joining that tradition of paving the way for those who, 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 will, who will benefit from your labor now, right? When we look at the prophets of the Old Testament, when we look at John the Baptist, when we look at Jesus the Christ, they labored for us. And we reaped the benefits of their labor, of their many years of hardships as believers in God and believers in Christ. We're reaping the harvest of the labor of the early church, of the Acts church, of Paul, of the church in the feast. We're reaping their labor. And we should be grateful. Grateful to the point to where we continue on in their labor tradition and say, I'm going to work. I'm going to do the work so that someone can benefit from me sharing my encounter with Jesus. I'm going to do the work so that someone else can benefit from me suffering for Christ's sake. Right? It's tough work. It's hard work. But it's worthy work. It's worthy work. It's work that changes and transforms lives. It's work that sets people free. It's work that makes the world a better place. It's work that allows our communities, our churches, our work environments to be safer, to be fairer, because we are instilling the values and ethics of Jesus where we are, right? It's worthy work. And again, as we come to a close, right, I want to turn back to the, to, the, to, the, to the Samaritan woman. Verse 39, she says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony, right? He told me all that I ever did. <laughs> I love that testimony. Isn't it an interesting testimony? It's self-critical in a way, isn't it? He told me all of my flaws, he told me all of my sins. He told me all that I ever did, yet still loved me. Yet he still pursued me. He told me all I ever did, 
So therefore, he must be the Messiah, right? So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of whose word? His word. Not her word. His word. Come see a man. Come see a man. Right? Look, I ain't about to save nobody. I ain't about to save you. But I know someone who can. Come see a man. And you will believe by his word. They said to the woman, oh, I love this part. It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves. You've heard for ourselves. Love that, man. It's not because of what you said. But we've heard it for ourselves. What you said about him was true. We now experience that as a truth. Love that. And then we go on. Uh, we heard it for ourselves. And we know that, this is we in verse 42, second half. And we know that this is, this is indeed the Savior of the world. They testifying better than her now. Is he the Messiah? They said, nah. He the Savior of the world. <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. She was like, I think he might be the savior. Girl, he the savior. He the savior of the world. Let me confirm it for you. And you know why I can confirm it for you? Because I heard the man talk himself. I heard him for myself. We ain't got a doubt no more. It ain't a question no more, girl. He the savior of the world. See what happens? See what happens? Right? It's not on you. It's not on us, man. When they heard it for themselves, their faith increased to a point to where it was greater than the first person they heard it from. Right? This is the power of come see a man. Come see a man. Right? We, we, almost, we almost there. After the two days he departed from Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they too had gone to the feast. So they joined him at the feast. Tyler's going to pick this up next week. Talking about the healings. And I'm going to end by saying this. And the worship team can come back up. I'm going to end by saying this. These last four weeks in particular, we've been talking about spiritual rebirth and being alive in the spirit. Shifting our focus from the physical to the spiritual. This is important for us individually as Christians. This is important for us to grow and mature in our faith as Christians, but it's also important for those we encounter. For those in our communities, for those in our workplaces, it's important that we encounter Jesus spiritually. It's important that we see life spiritually, not just for ourselves, but for those in our lives. Right? So as we come to a close here, and we're going to invite you to the table, if there be anyone here who wants to make that leap of faith, who says, you know, I want to encounter Jesus, the living Jesus for myself. Come see me after church, and we can begin that journey together. If you want to encounter the living Jesus for yourself. You say, I've been hearing these last four weeks about life by the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, and I want that experience. So if there be anyone here, please find me after church and we can start the journey together. 
And for us as Christians, right now we come to the table. This table that welcomes all. This table that represents for us the ultimate sacrifice. The ultimate way by which we can experience life by the Spirit. We come to this table to remember that Christ came and sacrificed his life. He came to give his life. He came to be about his father's business, to, 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 to eat the spiritual food so that he can do what his father called him to do. And what his, what his father called him to do, what God called him to do was to sacrifice his life for the lives of the world, for the sin of the world. So we come and we eat the bread. This bread represents his body broken for us. His broken body so that we ourselves as Christians can survive and thrive in a broken world. And, 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 and the wine and the grape juice, his, it represents his blood. His blood that was poured out for us. Poured out to wash away our sins so that we could be made made new 